Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome and welcome to the punk rock and politics and punk rock and politics and politics and punk rock podcast. <laughs> uh, I hate the name of my podcast. I think I might have to change it. <laughs> Oh man, it's Andrew for America here, people. I jumble that so many times. Hey, it's the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast. It's the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. It's the Pip, Pip, Pip. You know what? I might just call it Triple P pretty soon. <laughs> you got Triple D, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Pretty soon you guys are going to get Triple P, the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast with... Yours truly, Andrew for America. Welcome back. Uh, wow, lots going on in the world. Lots going on. Um, it's also February, right now when I'm recording this, of 2021. And it's cold outside. Big Arctic cold blast pushing through the United States, central United States, all the way south down to Texas. A lot of people from uh, warmer climates are experiencing a little bit more of what we Minnesotans uh, experience every winter. And boy, is it hilarious to see how people that aren't ready for it deal with it. A lot of people talking about greener technologies not working so well. You know, when it gets too hot or too cold. Hmm. Well, you know, that's what the free market's for, people. The free market's there to fix those problems for you, and I'm sure that there are entrepreneurs right now trying to tackle that problem. And that's the beauty of capitalism and the free market, people. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's incentive, there is, there are, rather, investors. Where there is a mutually beneficial business transaction on the table that benefit both parties involved. That's bartering and trading and selling of goods and services. That is capitalism, people. And today's episode, episode 12, is about capitalism. I, one of the things that I believe needs to be taught and talked about more in this country is capitalism. And what is it? What is capitalism? I said in a previous podcast that capitalism is one of the biggest scapegoat words I've ever experienced or encountered in my entire life. And that is absolutely true. Capitalism is blamed on so much crap in this country. It makes me sick. It's disgusting. And it's, it's just another example of Isaac Asimov and this cult of anti-intellectualism and how easy it is for media to assign meaning to words that it's just a shortcut to thinking. It's a cop-out. It's an easy way out for you people to not dive deep into concepts so that you can fully understand them. So today I'm going to do the work for you. I'm going to do the work for you. Today we're going to talk about capitalism, people. And we're also going to talk about crony capitalism. Uh, in a previous podcast, I mentioned that there is a big, 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 
big, huge, gigantic, ginormous difference between the two. And if you don't know the difference, and you are one of these people slamming your keyboard on social media in the comment sections trying to win arguments with people, you are the problem with this country. You ignorant fool. You useful idiot moron. You egomaniac dipshit. And today, I'm going to try to enlighten you so that you can know what you are talking about. So, a lot of people understand these concepts, and a lot of people agree, regardless of their political affiliation. And that's what I'm trying to get to, people. That's why I don't like talking about party politics, and I don't like talking about uh, partisan talking points, because I want to talk about ideas, Ideas are what's important. Your party talking point bullshit is not important. It's a system of control. It's a method of shutting down independent thought and critical analysis. And it should be done away with, in my humble opinion. But I know that's impossible. I'm an idealist. I digress. You know, the free market and economics, free market capitalism. There's, I don't know how many of you are really deep. I'm not going to dive into economics in this episode, but... Uh, I'll briefly touch on the difference between Keynesian and, uh, you know, the Austrian economists. And some people think that fiat currency and and uh, the labor theory of value are the way to go, which I personally think is a joke. And we have a whole bunch of uh, examples, historically speaking, that show us why it's a joke. And yet people still hold on and they still hang in there. And which makes me think, you know... WTF, man, do you just want your ideas to be right and correct and you just hope so bad, oh gosh, I really hope the way that I want the world to be is the way that's best? Or have you really ever read about any of this stuff? Do you know how economics works? Economics, people, is literally human nature. Human behavior drives economics, supply and demand, the things that affect our individual lives. You know, economics and money and and finance, it's not some fixed pie where there's a number of reasons. There's a number of reasons why it's not a fixed pie. But like just because some people are doing really, really well and some people are doing really, really bad doesn't really mean that it's impossible to move up the social mobility ladder. Yes, some people have roadblocks and have a long, much, 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 <clears throat> excuse me, longer road to go than others. You know, I've talked about this. I've been over this before. Born on third base, thought you hit a triple, or born negative at bat. We've been over it. We've been over it. We've been over it. But, you know, people really need to realize that economics is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fluid, very changing, very... Uh, susceptible to change uh, concept because of the things that happen. And we're seeing that right now with COVID. COVID has changed our economy so much and and will continue to change our economy moving forward in the future. Uh, It is a force, you know, viruses, you know, weather, uh, market manipulation, um, you know, buyouts, Mergers, big corporate conglomerate mergers. I mean, all these things affect economics in the stock market. I mean, 
uh, it's not just it's not so easy to just say, hey, you know what? I'm an idealist, and I think that this is how our country should work. So now I'm going to force the economics to work in my favor by you know promising goodies like we've been over before, or um, you know, oh, uh, you know, let's have a huge welfare state. And you know, I talk about this stuff all the time, like because if we really had freedom of choice with how our tax dollars were spent. And there was actual oversight and, you know, some type of monitoring system. I always kind of joke on my social media about, you know, I want a P&L annually about where my taxes were spent. Where'd you spend my money at? What'd you spend it on? You know, I'm supposed to just trust you, almighty omnipotent government, that you're doing good things with my money. But uh, we all know that that's not always true. So you can't call freedom true freedom uh, if people don't have transparency and if they don't if they're not able to see everything that's happening you know everything that their public elected officials are doing i mean we elect them we you know no taxation without representation right well what if we feel like we're not being represented by our elected uh, elected officials doesn't that mean that we can not consent to being taxed anymore yeah in theory that's exactly right but you know why that what, do you know why we can't? Is because our money is now owned by the Federal Reserve Big Club World Bankers. And they put the kibosh on that a long time ago, people. We do not live in a truly, purely capitalist, free market system. Oh, no, 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 no. And Ron Paul will be the first to tell you people that we have never had a purely capitalist free market system in the United States. Ever. And the reason why is because we have had certain differing levels and degrees of socialism also. Some people call us a democracy. Hence, Democrats. Some people call us a republic. Hence, Republicans. It's very important to know the difference between those terms and what those terms mean. We are a constitutional republic. We are a nation of laws. But we are also a democratic system with universal suffrage you know, uh, people, uh, my friend Fonz and I were just talking today about, you know, this idea that, you know, the the, the problems with a socialist system and the problems with the capitalist system can be traced back to the exact same root, the exact same problem. And that problem is human beings are in government and running the government and running the show. And I've talked about this before. Humans are fallible, imperfect creatures. We are prone to making mistakes more often than not. And on paper, both systems are fantastic. Oh gosh, they, if, you know, pure capitalism or pure socialism would work if it was run and, and maintained and the government uh, governed it in the proper way, right? You hear it all the time. Oh, that wasn't real socialism. Oh, we've never had true capitalism. And it doesn't matter what side of the, the table you, you, you prefer, you know, if you see yourself as more of a capitalist than a socialist or vice versa, whatever. You have to admit that there's a lot of truth to that. 
It doesn't matter what the system is. What matters is the people running the system and controlling that system. <laughs> so let's talk about those people controlling the system. Doesn't matter if it's capitalist or socialist. Crony capitalism, people. And listen up. If you don't know what crony capitalism is, and you don't know what the difference between crony capitalism and pure actual capitalism, stay off your Facebook comment sections, you stupid morons. Okay? Until you get this stuff through your head. Here we go. Crony capitalism is an economic system in which businesses thrive not as a result of risk, but rather as a return on money amassed through the nexus between a business class and the political class. Another word for that is the revolving door. And I'm going to get to the revolving door in a minute because you can't talk about crony capitalism without talking about the revolving door. This is often achieved by using state power rather than competition. You might say free market competition. In managing permits, government grants, tax breaks, or other forms of state intervention over resources where the state exercises monopolist control over public goods, for example, mining concessions for primary commodities or contracts for public works. Money is then made not merely by making a profit in the market, but through profiteering by rent-seeking using this monopoly or oligopoly. Entrepreneurship, then, and innovative practices which seek to reward risk are stifled since the value added is little by crony businesses as hardly anything of significant value is created by them with transactions taking the form of trading. Crony capitalism spills over into the government, politics, the media, and when this nexus distorts the economy and affects society to an extent, it corrupts public-serving economic political, and social ideals. <sighs> big, big phrase, right? Lots of, lots, lots of to uh, unpack. But the point is, people, is that when big business gets in bed with big government, it is, and I've said this a million times, if you know me and you've been on my social media, you've heard me say this a million times, the only way, the only way, the only way that monopolies can form in a purely free market capitalist system is if government intervenes and changes or takes control of certain aspects leading to the quote-unquote planned or a quote-unquote planned economy, which is literally the, basic, the basis of socialism and communism. Socialism and communism seeks to plan the economy either partially or in its complete entirety. So we're talking about vastly different points of view here, people. 
And this is the reason why there's so much debate and disagreement and argument over these, these concepts. You know, a lot of people say, uh, you know, why did trickle-down economics not work? Like, I'm getting ready to talk to you guys about Milton Friedman. And Milton Friedman's another, you know, Nobel Prize winning economist, smart guy, had a lot of great ideas, gets dismissed quite a bit because people are like, oh, trickle-down economics didn't work so well, did it? Reaganomics didn't work so well, now, did it? Well, uh, yeah, it would have worked. Do you know why it didn't work? Because of crony Capitalism. <laughs> you got to learn this stuff. You got to know what these concepts and what these words mean. I'm going to move on. Let's talk about the revolving door. So you can't have crony capitalism without the revolving door. And here we go. Here's a little blurb I'm going to read to you people about the revolving door and about regulatory capture after that. Here we go. In politics... The revolving door is a movement of personnel between roles as legislators and regulators. On one hand, and members of the industries affected by the legislation and regulation on the other. So that's pretty much saying exactly what I just got done telling you. When big business, when big business gets in bed with big government, that is the only way monopolies can form. And the way that monopolies form is cronyism. Hey, buddy, you do this for me and I'll do this for you. And then while you're in public office, once you get out of office, I'm going to have a nice cushy job with some nice CEO pay waiting for you in the private sector. So we can just revolving door. As one guy goes in, another guy goes out. As another guy goes in, another guy goes out. And it's literally, it's the same concept as the, the two-party system. It is, it exists to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. And that you have a say in how our government does business. And you don't. You have no choice. You have no choice. Your crony capitalist overlord, overlords own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They've long since bought and paid for the Congress, the State House, the City Halls. They got the judges in their back pocket and they own all the media companies so they control all the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. George Carlin. Remember that, people? It all connects. Uh, I will continue. Uh, about the revolving door. It has also been used to refer to a constant switching and ousting of political leaders from offices such as prime minister and, you know, other political offices. Um, in some cases, the roles are performed in sequence. But in certain circumstances, they may be performed at the same time. You know what that means? That means that you can be a legislator, a publicly elected official. You can have a constituency. But you can simultaneously be on a board of regulators whose job it is to regulate the industry And if you're a part of it, that's like saying, hey, you know what? Um, 
I know that you're a police officer and uh, you're not supposed to arrest me um, because we are buddies and we traded favors at one point in time. And now, actually, you know what? That's a bad analogy. That's a terrible analogy. Let's pretend I didn't say that. Um, pretty much what that means is, is, you know, how can you be the person in charge of monitoring the ethical, moral behavior of an industry while simultaneously reaping the benefits and making money off of the perversion and the misuse and the illegality of that industry. Do you see what I'm saying? Sorry about the terrible analogy. Sometimes I, sometimes I try to come up with analogies on the fly and I just fail miserably. Miserably. Psh, crash and burn. Uh, so anyway, that's what I was trying to say. Is like, how can you be a legislator and a regulator at the same time? <laughs> uh, but that's that's how it works. That's how that's how the American government is. That's how you become a big club member. In some cases, the roles are performed in sequence, but in certain circumstances, they may be performed at the same time. Political analysts claim that an unhealthy relationship can develop between the private sector and government based on the granting of reciprocated privileges to the detriment of the nation and can lead to regulatory capture. If you don't know what regulatory capture is, here we go. In politics, regulatory capture, also known as client politics, is a corruption of authority that occurs when a political entity, policymaker, or regulatory agency is co-opted to serve the commercial, ideological, or political interests of a minor constituency, such as a particular geographic area, industry, profession, or ideological group. When regulatory capture occurs, a special interest is prioritized over the general interests of the public, leading to a net loss for society. Government agencies suffering regulatory capture are called captured agencies. The theory of client politics is related to that of rent-seeking and political failure. Client politics occurs when most or all of the benefits of a program go to some single, reasonably small interest group, e.g. industry, profession, or locality. But most or all of the costs will be borne by a large number of people. For example, all taxpayers. What I'm trying to tell you people is that it doesn't matter if your system is free market capitalism. It doesn't matter if your system is socialism and communism. The common thread running through both is fallible humanity. Imperfect beings constantly making mistakes and making decisions with their own best interests in mind and not the best interests of the whole. 
They're clearly not exercising their reason. They are exercising their intelligence and their ability to manipulate, coerce, lie, cheat, fabricate, fix, rig, etc., etc., etc. All things within our economy. Capitalism, people, is the natural state. If there was no civilized countries, if there was no borders, if we were back in our uh, hunter-gatherer days and ways where nobody lived a sedentary lifestyle, you had to hunt and fish and gather in order to eat and subsist. And eventually you're going to start trading goods and services with people because you're going to increase your standard of living. Milton Friedman, uh, I'm, about, I'm getting ready to talk to, about him here in a minute. He says, you know, in a free market capitalist system, uh, any exchange of goods and services between two uh, parties voluntarily increases the standard of living of both parties involved. How can you lose if I say, hey, you know what? I need some water and you got some bread. Tell you what, I got a bunch of, of water, you got a bunch of bread. How about I trade some of my water to you for some of your bread? And now we both have water and bread. Seems pretty logical and normal, right? If all the money and all the banks and all the markets and the, and all the all of it, all of civilization as we know it went away, that would be what would happen. We would return to the natural state. And that's what capitalism is, people. All capitalism is is Individuals pursuing their own separate interests. Some people call that greed. I think that's a joke. What is greed? We're going to talk about what greed is in a minute. I'll play a nice little Milton Friedman quote. He summarizes it better than I ever could. But the reason why trickle-down economics didn't work, people, and the reason why a gigantic tax-funded money stolen by force, welfare state that probably is nowhere near as effective as its professed goals uh, claim to be. Both of those systems fail people because human beings who lack morals and ethics and find themselves in a corrupting position of absolute power, get together and have meetings and talk about how to make themselves richer and make the people poorer. Happens in capitalism, happens in socialism, happens in any system, doesn't matter. That's, way, that's just the way it is. It's human nature. There's always going to be somebody that wants more. And there's always going to be somebody who's going to be willing to kill you to get more. Period. You're not going to social justice warrior legislate that fact of humanity out of existence. I'm sorry. If you really believe that's possible, you are a deluded, psycho, weird, nutjob individual as far as I'm concerned. How can you believe that's possible? How? It's absolutely baffling to me. It's absolutely baffling to me. I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Um, so yeah, so everything I've been talking about so far, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of that ain't uh, Ayn Rand quote uh, out of Atlas Shrugged that I read you guys. Uh, I think it was last episode, maybe the one before. But just, I'm going to read it one more time just because, you know, she's talking about exactly what I'm talking about. She's talking about the difference between capitalism and crony capitalism. Here we go. When you see that in order to produce, you need to obtain permission from men who produce nothing. When you see that money is flowing to those who deal not in goods, but in favors. When you see that men get rich more easily by graft and pull than by work. And your laws no longer protect you against them, but protect them against you. You may know that your society is doomed. You got to learn this stuff, people. You got to know the difference between capitalism and crony capitalism. You got to know why societies and systems fail. It's just like, think about your job. From from a purely efficiency standpoint, right? Just think about like, you know, your day-to-day. You walk through, uh, you, you know, you, you wake up in the morning, you go to work, you go through your day. And at some point throughout the course of your day, something with your system and your infrastructure probably makes you think, you know, this could be done so much better. Like if they only got rid of this or if they only added that. Uh, this would save us time, which would save us money in the long term. Uh, Little bits of time and money saved add up, and over time, uh, we're we're benefiting the company, right? Well, it's kind of the same way with government and with whatever system of control or system of government that your country operates on. There's going to be people that, you know, buy in to the system, believe in it, agree with uh, its methods, And there's going to be people that aren't. And there's going to be people that are going to work against the best interests of the whole. Work against the best interests of how the system is supposed to properly function. So it'll never be perfect. There will always be room for improvement, just like with everything and anything else. So you got to get it out of your head, people, that, oh, well, you know, Maybe one day we'll have pure capitalism. Maybe one day we'll have pure socialism. We'll have true, real capitalism or socialism. And then everything will be just great. No, no. You know why? Because there's a common variable, people. And that common variable is fallible, stupid, idiot human beings are running the show. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, people, I mean, it's, you got to learn this stuff. You got to learn this stuff. So, uh, back in 1979, uh, our friend Milton Friedman uh, did an interview on the Donahue Show. 
Remember Phil Donahue? And um, I love this. I've, I've watched this, this clip so many times, and I love it. And I really want you guys to listen to it because, uh, you know, what is greed? This, this bit is entitled, What is Greed? And uh, Milton Friedman makes a pretty good argument, makes a pretty good case for what greed is. And, you know, why is it that Americans think that the greedy people in America are any different than the greedy in every other country in the world, regardless of the system of government? You know, and here he says, do you think China doesn't run on greed? Do you think Russia doesn't run on greed? You know, and then he asks the question, what is greed? And he's like, you know, it's it's never you that's greedy. It's always the next guy, right? And then he pretty much goes into... Uh, an explanation of what he means, and he hits on some points that I really want to talk about after you listen to this. So here we go, people. From 1979, Milton Friedman, Nobel Prize winning economist on the Phil Donahue Show on the topic of greed. I am pleased to uh, once again uh, play host to uh, Milton Friedman. Who is now attached to Stanford. Is that, well, I don't know what attached is and where we're looking for. The Hoover Institution, which is what, a, a, an academic... Uh, oh, yes, the Hoover Institution is, uh, was set up in honor of President Hoover. It's been there for a long time, and it's uh, called the Hoover Institution for War, Revolution, and Peace. And they decided a while back that they had enough peace, so they invited me to be his fellow there for a while. Uh, uh, would Herbert Hoover be pleased with what the, with the dialogue that's uh, going on under the aegis of his name? Oh, I'm sure he would. He was a great student. He was not only an engineer, yeah. but the library, the, it was founded as a library based initially on the collection. You know what I just realized, people? I realized that I just wasted your time. Um, let me find the part of this bit where I wanted you guys to start listening from, uh, and then I'll be right back and we will continue with what is greed by Milton Friedman on the Phil Donahue show. Okay. Welcome back. Um, so the click, the clip that I am looking, listening to right now, I really encourage you guys to watch the whole thing. It's a 46 minute long clip. It's, it's entitled Milton Friedman on the Donahue show full interview. What is greed? Um, and there are actually, I, I, I kind of want to play a bunch of clips from this thing. I kind of want to play the whole thing from, for you people, but I'm not going to play 46 minutes of a video on my podcast. So, um, this is the part I really wanted you guys to listen to. Okay. Because Donahue has pretty much taken the side of a lefty or of a socialist during this conversation. And, um, there's a lot that you guys can learn from listening to this entire, this entire interview. Like I said, it's 46 minutes long, but this is the part that I really wanted you guys to hear. So here we go. Milton Friedman on the Donahue show. Question before the audience is anxious to ask you. When you sit in your study and uh, throughout your, your career as, an, as a professor, you've met students and you've, you've probably dealt with every kind of question, stupid through. I guess I want to know whether you've ever temp been tempted to become politically revolutionary. Here's my question. When you see around the globe the maldistribution of wealth, the, the desperate plight of millions of people in underdeveloped countries, uh, when you see so few haves and so many have-nots, 
when you when you see the greed and the concentration of power within, don't, aren't you ever? Did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism and whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worse, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear. Listen up. That there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward, not virtue, as much as ability to manipulate the system. Uh, and what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Mm. Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us. Well, I don't even trust you to do that. <laughs> well, let alone, let alone. There it is. There it is, people. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear. There is no alternative method, method so far discovered that can increase the standard of living and the lot of the average everyday people that can hold a candle to the productive activities unleashed by a free enterprise system. I just kind of butchered that a little bit, but no alternative way, people. You guys here have heard me say many times that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Look at past behavior. What does our past behavior, behavior tell you? Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry from orders uh, by a government bureaucracy or bureaucrats. People, you know, earlier in this interview, Milton Friedman says, you know, for many, many years before, um, you know, the Federal Reserve came in and before there was all this regulation, um, I mean, it was the Wild West. Uh, yes, obviously, some some controls can be put in place for safety and for externalities. I get it. You know, there are going to be, just like everything else, there are going to be people that are going to use processes and outlooks and worldviews in nefarious ways. 
There are evil people amongst us, people. You're not going to, uh, your good intentions are not going to eliminate them from the world and from society. I'm sorry. Milton Freeman's asking you, people, where are you going to find these angels who are going to organize society for us? Uh, you know, and that makes me think about, you ever seen the movie uh, um, Enemy of the State? Where they're talking about the big surveillance state and the NSA monitoring everyone, blah, blah, blah. Well, Will Smith's wife in the... I forget her real name. Uh, ugh, I forget her name. But anyway, there's this line where she's like talking to him about the surveillance state and the NSA. And she's like, you know, who's going to monitor the monitors of the monitors? Everybody is human. Susceptible to Corruption. There is no perfect way to do anything, people. <laughs> you know, and, and and just the holier than thou ego uh you know mentality of the new left to me is just it's like every one of your their arguments is rooted in this ego-driven belief that they really know what's best for everybody. Without even knowing you, what your likes are, what your abilities are, what your interests are, what your you know family background is, what your culture is, none of it. But capitalism, on the other hand, is... Literally, the ability for you to increase your standard of living through the use of your intelligence and your reason. The buying, selling, and trading of goods and services. That's capitalism. That's it. Capitalism is what you people would be doing without capitalism. <laughs> I love, that's my favorite, that's, that's the thesis of this episode people. Capitalism is what you people would end up doing if you didn't have capitalism. Fact. Fact. The natural base state, level one, is poverty and the wild west, the wild, the animal kingdom. Kill or be killed. The opposite of civilization. The opposite of what all your religions were trying to make you do throughout human history. They're trying to civilize you. They're trying to give you a, a code to live by. They're trying to give you a morality that is common amongst all people so that you can all civilize, quote unquote, and live together peacefully because you all agree on a social contract. And I'm going to talk about social contracts in the future. I'm going to talk about the social contract theorists. I'm going to talk about the founding of the United States of America. We're going to get to all that stuff. But right now, I want you guys to focus on capitalism. I want you guys to learn what the fuck capitalism actually is. Because capitalism is such a scapegoat, such a, a party, a media-driven uh, buzzword that is assigned so much incorrect meaning that it makes me sick to my stomach. What I see 
some of you stupid idiots talking about this stuff on your social media comments. You gotta know the difference between capitalism and socialism. You gotta know the difference between crony capitalism and capitalism. You gotta know about the revolving door, what that means. Do I mean do your research on that. I mean you will find <laughs> you will find file cabinets full of information about people who used to work for a big company and uh then got into government and were the regulators. They were on the committees that were supposed to regulate industries. And then when they uh, got out of public life and out of public office, they went back to these cushy jobs that these lobbyists gave them all this money for. And now they work for the company that they just got done regulating. So you think they're going to favor themselves over everybody else or not? I'm going to go with, yeah, they're going to favor each other over everybody else. They're going to collude they're going to conspire to fix markets and to eliminate market competition so that they are the only people providing a good or service, meaning that they are the gatekeepers. Total control, absolute power. And like Lord Acton said, it corrupts absolutely. I personally do not believe that any human being that has ever walked on this planet has the necessary skill set to lead populations of thousands, millions, and multi-millions of people. I saw a meme on Facebook uh, one time that said, anybody that believes that they know what's best for 350 million people uh, that should raise some red flags. Uh, the ego, I mean, the absolute detachment from reality and th- th- the size of the messianic complex that these egomaniac narcissists, psychopaths have. I mean, you, you almost have to be a narcissist psychopath to even be these people, to even... Like the people that, you know, I can't remember who said it, but I read somewhere that, you know, uh, power is going to be sought after by people who do not have any remorse or care for what they do to others in order to achieve their ambitious goals. And when the people get to a level of power and, and wealth to the point where they can literally make phone calls and eliminate entire portions of an economy, of a nation's economy. I mean, the, the level of power we're talking about is godlike. And these people think that they are gods. And they think that they should, not only should be in charge, not only do they know what's best, but they should be in charge. And they do know what's best. And they believe it with all their hearts. I can't remember who said it, but you know, those who torment us, uh, because of what they believe is like their best intentions, do so with the approval of their own conscience, and so that they will, they will torment you and and be tyrannical. In some of the worst possible ways, 
like un, un, inhuman, disgusting ways. Because they really believe that they should be making those decisions, that they're the ones that have been uh, endowed with power of attorney from whatever God they pray to, and that they're acting in their, you know, whatever, God's, you know, ways, you know, according to the plan, whatever their plan is. You know, are they, are they, are they God-fearing people, God-worshippers? Are they Satan-fearing people, Satan-worshippers? I don't even know if it's called Satan-fearing. <laughs> I don't know. But you get my point. It's important, people. It's important to know what all of these terms mean and how it all works so that you can decide for yourself. Should I believe in my government? What is government? Government's just a group of people. Milton Friedman says, you know, corporations don't have responsibilities. People have responsibilities. Government doesn't have responsibilities. People have responsibilities. Just because we give some big name to a group of people doesn't mean that it's still not people running the show, pulling the strings, making the decisions. No system will ever be perfect. So if you're going to do a cost-benefit analysis between different systems of government and different types of economies, that's a good place to start. How much personal freedom is there for the individual, regardless of their social class or uh, level of income? And what level of good goodies is the state going to provide, you know, so that you can get your basic needs met? Some people think socialism is the way. Big welfare state, they'll give you a bunch of retirement, they'll give you a vacation, they'll give you holidays, you know. And if they can afford it and they choose to do that, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I got no problem with business owners and entrepreneurs who want to create their own social uh, safety net for their employees. I got no problem with that. In fact, more businesses should do that. That way, these idiot knuckleheads can learn that you know, if you want to believe in trickle-down economics, that's what you got to do, people. Trickle-down economics would have worked had these companies and the people running these companies and the people monitoring uh, and regulating in government, you know, if they weren't colluding and conspiring against you, you know, that system probably would have worked. And you can say the same thing about socialism. If this guy wasn't corrupt and if this guy didn't take too much power and if this guy didn't take uh, this portion of, you know, the economy away from, or, or uh, the goods and services rather away, you know, I mean, once you give control of an entire country's resources and, uh, you know, means of production to a select small few, I mean, it's only a matter of time before they just take and take and take away from the people. I mean, come on, look at history. This isn't, I'm not making this stuff up. You can look at history. And there's example after example after example after example. You know, you some, some of you know what I'm talking about when I say, you know, there's been like 70 plus 
attempts at socialism and communism in various countries around the world throughout history, and all of them have failed. All of them have failed. Now, a lot of you are probably listening to me right now, and you're going, oh, yeah, well, what about Canada? What about the Scandinavian countries? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, those countries have gigantic welfare states. And maybe maybe what the government provides is great to them. Maybe some people like it, maybe some people don't. But they're paying 40-50% taxes, allegedly, in order to get those goodies. And they've outsourced their, their defense to the United States. So it's not a purely capitalist or socialist system. It's kind of this marriage between the two. And a lot of countries around the world are kind of going that route. So it is only rational and logical to think that eventually if all of the countries around the world are running the show and running their economies in a similar way, it's only a matter of time before the people running these companies decide to get together and maybe have some annual meetings and discuss their plan for the world. You guys didn't see that coming, did you? I went on this whole big tirade about capitalism and crony capitalism, and where did I take it? I took it back to the logical end of the thought process. Eventually, people, a small group of wealthy, powerful individuals are going to meet and conspire to take over and take full control over the entire world. You have owners they own you. I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, I'm going to read some excerpts from Mr. Milton Friedman. All right, so, you know... If you've been listening to this uh, and, you, you know, at this point, you're probably asking yourself, like, well, what is the best method? Like, how can we make, how can we make people do the right thing? You know, how can we, um, you know, is there a way to make everybody happy? Is there a way to do it? And I think Milton Friedman would say that he believes that there is. And I think this is what his answer would be to how you make that happen. Here we go, Milton Friedman, and I quote, It's nice to elect the right people, but it's not the way you solve things. The way you solve things is by making it politically profitable for the wrong people to do the right things. Think about that. Is, it, is there a way to make the evil doers, the not well-intended, the people that are purely... Um, all about themselves and could care less about anybody else? Is there a way that we can make them happy? And if they are happy, it will allow the majority of people to be allowed to do the right things? You know, that's a big, deep, deep, deep thought by Milty right there. I like that one. I really like that one. The most important single central fact about a free market is that no exchange takes place unless both parties benefit. Think about it. You got a bunch of uh, notepads. I got a bunch of pencils. How are we going to write? How are we going to write? 
Tell you what, I'll trade you a few pencils for a couple of those notepads. Now both parties are writing. Now we can develop language. In a free market, no exchange takes place unless both parties benefit. Nobody is screwing over anybody in a free market system, people. The only way you screw somebody over and take their money is through force. And what is the system that force is the method? Socialism and capitalism. Important stuff, people. Important to know. Free market capitalism is about freedom. Socialism and communism is about forcing you to play the game, drink the Kool-Aid. We've been over this. Underlying most arguments against the free market is a lack of belief in freedom itself. That's very important, people. Why are we even talking about freedom or about, about whether or not human beings should be free and be able to freely exercise their free will. If we don't believe in freedom, if we don't believe people are smart enough to make the best decisions for themselves, then yeah, maybe you are a communist. Maybe you are a socialist. That's the point. I love it when, I mean, it's just such a perfect, the irony is so base level and it's so delicious that these young college social justice warrior progressives are are celebrating a system that in practice commits every crime that they claim to be against rape murder um um you know seg- uh, discrimination against different racial groups discrimination against gay and gays and lesbians discrimination against women slavery gulags concentration camps, no due process. Civil asset forfeiture is like the lay of the land, the way it is. The government comes in your house and they see some things they want, they're just going to take it. Who cares? They're not going to go to jail. There ain't going to be no court case. It's just hilarious. It's hilarious, the the disconnect from reality and, and how effective the media propaganda has been over the course of the past 20 years. It's... I mean, I'm just, I just stand in awe at the successes. Remember KGB guy told you guys? Like, I could never believe how effective and how, how much of a great success. And not not in, in the Russian Soviets' wildest dreams would they have, ever have thought that Americans doing it to Americans, injecting slow, slowly over time, little, little pieces, little bits, little parts, a little socialism here, a little communism there. And now it's in there. Now it's indoctrinated, you know? 15 to 30 years of re-education to get it out, people. <laughs> uh. The free market will solve your problems for you, people. It will. Are bad things going to happen? Yeah. Are there going to be greedy assholes? Yeah. Is it worse than socialism and communism? No. <laughs> I think it was Winston Churchill. You know, capitalism is the worst form of government that has ever been, that there has ever been, except for when compared to all others that have been tried. It's literally like comparing, you know, a rusted, you know, beat up Chevy Nova to like 
you know, a Bentley or a Rolls Royce. It's ridiculous. The differences are so vast and so obvious. But still, I see you college students running around with Che Guevara shirts on. It just makes me, it's the most ridiculous. You're walking proof of the successes of media, media manipulation, and propaganda, and brainwashing, and mind control. I see it every day. I see it every day. Every single day. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. Some more Milton Friedman. Government has three primary functions. This is his, I love this part. This is literally his case for small government. The smaller the government, the better. Government has three primary functions, people. This is all government should do. In Milton Freeman's opinion and, coincidentally, in my opinion. First, it should provide for military defense of the nation. Duh. Duh. If we can't defend ourselves, what are we doing? How are we even a nation? Right? Okay? Two, it should enforce contracts between individuals. That's the law. The law is there as the precedent of past events where there were disputes between contracts and disputes between individuals. Somebody's got to mediate that. That's the government's job. So that's the basis of the judicial system. Okay? And three, it should protect citizens from crimes against themselves or their property. That's property rights, people. That's your ability to purchase and own a section of land in the world and do whatever the fuck you want with it. That's freedom and that's property rights. Okay? Milton Friedman goes on. When government, in pursuit of good intentions, tries to rearrange the economy legislate morality, or help special interests, the costs come in inefficiency, lack of motivation, and loss of freedom. Government should be a referee and not an active player. Write that down. Read it as many times as you have to until it sinks in. In my humble opinion, the government should not be doing anything else for you, for me, or for all of us. The referee isn't a player. The referee is the mediator, the person that enforces the law, the person that determines the outcome, sadly. But there is a need for that, you know? It's a necessary evil. You've probably heard that phrase before. Rand Paul probably talked about it. Ron Paul talks about it. Um, I think it comes from somebody before them. They're just, you know, um, you know, celebrating it. But, you know, government is a necessary evil. Evil being the key word. Evil. But necessary. So your relationship with it should be as such, people. You should look at government, you should look to government as evil, but a necessary evil that needs to be restrained with a system of checks and balances. You know, 
You, some of you people that think America is so terrible and we got to get rid of capitalism, we got to dismantle <clears throat> the Constitution, it never did anything good for anybody. <clears throat> it's inherently racist. Burr, 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 burr. I've heard it a million times. Your stupid talking point, idiotic bullshit that has no basis or foundation in logic or reality whatsoever. Just don't get this stuff. You just don't get it. You don't get government. You don't understand what the constitutional republic is all about. You don't understand what, why the law is so important and the enforcing of the law is so important. You don't understand what your job is. You don't understand what the government's job is. And you know what? They use that against you. Your ignorance is their strength. They want you to be stupid. They think you're stupid. And you know why? Because most of you are. Most of you are fucking stupid. Period. Fact. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this podcast. Somebody has to get this stuff through your heads. This is a cynical quote from Milton Friedman. I love it. Nothing is so permanent as a temporary government program. That's another problem with government. As soon as you you ask the government to force something upon people in your pursuit of good intentions, quote unquote. Remember what I said? Good intentions is what the road to hell is paved on. The road of good intentions leads you straight to hell. When, you know, Ronald Reagan once said, you know, the, mo- the scariest thing any American here is, hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah, yeah. Government is a necessary evil, keyword evil. Government, evil. Connected to, I want to create the association in your heads. Government equals evil. Say it 10 times in the mirror while looking at yourself. Government is evil. Period. End of conversation. The government solution to a problem is usually as bad or worse than the problem. We're seeing that right now with COVID. <laughs> you think the lockdowns uh you know are healthy? <laughs> you know, you think social creatures being forced to not be social is healthy? Is that is that prolonging their lives? Is their life expectancy uh, increasing? <laughs> Uh, a virus with a 98% survival rate. I mean, I know it's bad. I know. I have friends who are very healthy and very young who got a job got done on them by COVID. I know that COVID's bad. And I know that it affects everybody's body chemistry differently. There's no universal uh, way of, you know, tackling it because the way it affects people is different. It's crazy. That's the way viruses work. So whether it's, you know, a naturally occurring virus, or if it was a man-made one, it doesn't matter. It still operates the same way, so you have to treat it in the same way. But don't tell me that the government's solution to the COVID uh, crisis was positive and with your best interest in mind. <laughs> that was a power grab. That's what government does. Government's evil. They're going to seize on opportunities. Like Rahm Emanuel said, you never want to let a good crisis go to waste. It creates opportunities for you to accomplish goals that you 
probably couldn't have accomplished before in a non-crisis scenario. George Orwell talks about it in 1984. And the KGB guy talked about the constant uh, war state. If you're in a state of perpetual war, you know, freedom is can be easily disposed with. We're not going to let you mess up our big plan. We're in a war. We're fighting a war. We're trying to achieve goals. Right now, that war and that goal is world government. Period. I don't care if you want to call me a conspiracy theorist, people. Let's let the future judge who's right and who's wrong, okay? Let's just see. Might not happen in my lifetime, but you just mark my words. Eventually, everything I'm telling you, people, this shit is going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'm going to keep showing you authors and economists and very intelligent, enlightened people who have tried to warn you guys about this stuff throughout history. I'm going to keep bringing, I'm going to keep bringing it. I'm trying to do you guys a favor. You got to learn this stuff. You got to learn this stuff. Milton Friedman, say what you will about him. Oh, I know. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. You know? It's crazy. It's crazy how media can, you know, literally change the meaning of words just right under your nose and just the constant repetitive brainwashing, pumping these themes into your brain through your screens, through your TV, through your phone, through your computer. It's the most effective... It's the most effective... You know, apparatuses. Is that a word? Apparatuses? Apparatus? A set of apparatuses? <laughs> I don't really know my grammar on the word apparatus. But it has got to be one of the most effective entities in, uh, you know, uh, of achieving its goals in that I've ever experienced or witnessed in my life. The power of media manipulation and propaganda is probably one of the most effective things in this world. All right, I'm done talking about capitalism. My throat's getting dry and uh, I don't want to lose my voice. So uh, we're going to play some punk rock. I'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Um, I needed to make a couple corrections. Uh, I made a mistake before. Um, Earlier in this podcast, I said that... um, what system uh, uses force? And I think I said socialism and capitalism. I meant I meant socialism and communism. So uh, if anybody caught my uh, word slip back there, um, yeah, I meant communism, not capitalism. Capitalism is not force. Capitalism is freedom. Uh, we've been over that. So, um, and then that uh, road to hell uh, is paved with good intentions. That's actually Milton Friedman. Uh, so earlier I said, um, I've been saying this for a long time and I think in an earlier podcast I said, I couldn't remember who the quote was by, uh, guess what? Lo and behold, it's Milton Friedman. Smart guy. Um, so one more quote by Milton Friedman and then I am going to move on and then we're going to get to some punk rock music. Uh, so here, this is the last quote I'm going to read by Milton Friedman and this is my favorite quote by Milton Friedman. And what he's saying in this quote is that, you know, 
the great virtue of a free market system is that it does not care what color people are. A free market is not racist to people. <laughs> the free market is what the poorest of the poor utilize in order to increase their standard of living in this world, period. That's it. Uh, so it does not care what color people are. It does not care what their religion is. It only cares whether they can produce something that you want to buy. It is the most effective system we have ever discovered to enable people who hate one another to deal with one another and help one another. That's the beauty of free market capitalism, people, is that even if your neighbor hates your guts because you're a different race or you worship a different God, it doesn't matter. The free market still creates an environment where if both of you wanted to enter into a barter, a trade, or a selling uh, of goods and services, both of the parties would benefit, both you and your enemy. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about how you know, you make it you make it politically profitable for the people that want to do bad things to do the right thing, to do the best, good, just thing. You know, don't let your media give capitalism such a bad rap to you that you're just like, oh, that's capitalism for you. You know what? No, it's not, people. No, it's not. Capitalism is your friend. And anybody who's trying to tell you that capitalism isn't your friend is probably carrying with them some ulterior motives. They think they know what's best for you better than you know what's best for yourself. I rest my case. Um, okay, so let's uh, move on. A couple more corrections, things I forgot earlier, and then we'll move on to some punk rock. Um, earlier I mentioned something about the difference between Keynesian and Austrian economics. And I'll just give you a brief synopsis real quick. Uh, so Keynesian economics are various macroeconomic theories about how economic output is strongly influenced by aggregate demand. In the Keynesian view, aggregate demand does not necessarily equal the productive capacity of the economy. So what he's saying is that if you can, uh, you know, if government can, can interject into the market and effect demand, um, maybe they can prevent big failures of free market capitalism when something goes up in flow if so, when something goes up in flames as far as like you know let's say general motors uh you know th the reason why we do these big bailouts is because <clears throat> a lot of people are going to be out of work a lot of people are going to be in tough shape um and so in order to hedge the bet against that they try to alter the economy and you know and then the converse uh, side of that are the Austrian economists and the Austrian economists uh, see things a little bit differently and um, so here I'll give you a little bit on the Austrian econ economists the story of the Austrian school begins in the 15th century when St. Thomas Aquinas uh, wrote and taught at the University of Salamanca in excuse me in Spain uh, here, let me get to the explanation part. So yeah, so they pretty much are the laissez-faire ones that advocate for property rights and freedom uh, for everyone to do what they want. They, they celebrate the contribution of business to society 
Um, they oppose taxes, price controls, regulations. They believe in pure, invisible hand. The market will regulate itself. Capitalism. So um, that's why that's why there's such argument between the two schools of thought as far as economics goes, because Keynesians think that you can. Uh, utilize fiat currency and uh, use government to affect markets in order to hedge against uh, big failures of the market. Um, Austrian economists do not believe that any of that works. They, they believe that any failure of the market can be fixed with more free market capitalism and entrepreneurship and investment in a certain field in order to fix that problem. So that was... That's kind of the very basic general difference between the two. Um, I didn't want to dwell on that because I'm running out of time, but I just wanted to touch on it. Um, and then, let's see. I think that's it, people. Um, today, I want to close. I want to go back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast when I said, you know, is there a universal morality? And if so, what is it? Well, you know what? I do not believe that there is a universal morality. Um, I do not believe that you are going to, uh, get everybody in the world to, uh, live the same way and believe the same things and think the same way by force. Um, I don't think it's possible unless you use force. You're not going to do it by persuasion. And if you, you know, if, if that was capable of happening, it would take so much of a uh, concerted effort on the part of everybody in this world. And I just don't see that happening. So, um, but if there was a universal morality, um, I think it would be, uh, summarized in, you know, pretty much the old libertarian, um, phrase that I think, uh, uh, Kibbe uses in his book, don't hurt me and don't take my stuff. I think everybody can agree that, if we're going to have a social contract and we're all going to live, to live in a civilization together, we can't hurt each other, can't kill each other, can't steal from each other. But aside from that, everybody should be free to do what they want so long as they don't hurt another human being or steal from another human being. I think that's pretty much as universally, as much of a universal morality as you will probably get in this world. So... That's it, people. Capitalism. Free market. You know, deep stuff. Gotta know it. I hope uh, this has been interesting to you. I hope uh, I haven't been too disrespectful. Uh, I hope you guys can take it when I call people out because they need to be called out and not enough people are calling people out, in my humble opinion. So... Um, you know, if you think I made any mistakes, send me an email, Andrew for America, 1984 at gmail.com. We'll be right back with some punk rock. There it is, people. Today's empire is tomorrow's ashes. Propagandi. I'll post the lyrics on the blog section of the website, politics and punk rock podcast dot com uh but real quick i wanted to read some of these lyrics to you before we go today i kind of dig them kind of dig them um i like this line where federal bureaus and fraternal orders have cast their shadows 
permanent features built into these borders. But the truth is the back country learned of ratification. The people had a coffin painted black and solemnly born in funeral procession. They buried it deep in the earth, an emblem of their disillusion, internment of their public liberty. And someday, somewhere, today's empires, tomorrow's ashes. Pretty revolutionary, these guys. Uh, and this, and then uh, this record uh, was actually produced by Ryan Green, famed punk rock producer. He actually did my band nonprofit's uh, Catalyst EP. Um, he's recorded uh, everybody, strung out. I mean, you name it. Um, Uncommon Men from Mars, from France. Uh, those guys uh, sang on one of our songs. Those guys are awesome punk rock band. I'll probably play some of their music in the future. Um, but if you know who Ryan Green is. Uh, you have heard some of his pretty amazing work with punk rock music and, um, yeah, pretty, pretty badass. I like this line too. The nail that sticks up gets hammered down. The master's finest, finest tools are found. Slack jawed and placid amidst the cacophony of screaming billboards and Disney-fied history. <laughs> Disney-fied history, boy. You guys get it, Propagandi. You guys get it. This has been episode 12 of the Politics and Punk Rock podcast. I am Andrew for America. Thank you for listening. Uh, join the group on Facebook, private group. Uh, send a request, Andrew for America, comedy and commentary. Uh, check me out. I got an Instagram page up, posting my sweetest memes now. Andrew for America on Instagram. Andrew for America on Twitter. Uh, I don't know. I was thinking about like Patreon and um, Twitch lately. I don't know. I don't know if this is really, I'm, I'm ready for that level yet. I don't know if I'm ready for that level yet, but um, I'm really enjoying doing this. I hope you guys are liking this uh, content, um, my commentary. Um, this stuff is important to me. I really hope everybody just makes an attempt to learn the difference between crony capitalism and capitalism. It bugs. It, uh, it, it, it just actually boggles my mind that, <laughs> you know, this is, our schools are supposed to be teaching this stuff, people. How come nobody knows it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's part of some uh, by-design plan. I don't know. Who knows, right? Who knows? I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Episode 13 coming soon. Uh, I think that's it. Go to the website. I already said that. Oh, send me an email. Andrew4America1984 at gmail.com. Go check out Propagandi. Go check out Milton Friedman. Go ch Seriously, go check out Milton Friedman, uh, Donahue, all 40 whatever minutes of it. It's amazing. Amazing. All right, you guys. Take care. Be good. Be good to each other. Be good to yourselves. Cut each other a break. Don't get too upset. Deep breaths. We're all going to get through this. We're all going to get through this. We're all going to learn. And we're all going to grow as individuals. And we're all going to be better people for it. 
I love you guys. We'll see you next time.